Hello, and welcome to You Want the Tea, We Got the Facts podcast, where we bring research-based information through programs and outreach to help improve the quality of life for individuals and families throughout Northwest Georgia. We are your hosts and family and consumer science agents, Victoria Presnell and Angelica Davis. Here, we'll discuss trending topics centered around nutrition, family, health, and finances to help individuals and families thrive. Hey, Victoria. Hey, Angelica. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, We've had tons of graduations this week, so trying to get all that out of the way, but it's just been super busy. um, I saw where you had a strawberry jam class. Yes, that was this Tuesday. It was awesome. It was um, well attended. Everyone had fun. And uh, it was just great. And I saw you had your peach jam class. Yes. So the peach jam class went great. We um, ended up having 16 people there. And um, it was a little chaotic at times, but uh, we made the peach jam. We actually got our peaches from um, a local farm stand, Thurman's Produce here Mm. in Carroll County. And oh my gosh, those were the best peaches. They like, you know how a peach will smell good. Uh Um. And it was like, they were perfect. And the peach jam ended up coming out with a really cool color of like really bright. So I was very, very proud of that. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, we got our strawberries from, um, actually, there's a local patch that's been open now for two years in Adairsville. So it's not far from my house at all. Literally, I could walk to it. Um, And the lady there, Miss Lisa, it's, um, I think the title of it is A Farm at Hidden Creek. And their strawberries were like the best smelling strawberries. Like I had them in my car, headed to the office. My car smelled like strawberries and was so good. But the strawberry color ended up being like this, um, almost like this ruby red. Once we got through with the jam, so pretty. I bet that was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I always love the colors of jam and jellies because I'm just weird. But the peach jam turned out great. So good. good. It's always fun doing the food preservation workshops. With the yes, pump. those are my favorite yeah. things I do. So I know. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, so today um, for our next episode, we are very thankful for the ones that have listened thus far and shared some of our episodes. Um, this is our third episode, officially our second, but really our third recording because our first one was a pilot. And so we thought, um, what a better times kicking off the summer. I think in my area, yesterday was the last day of school, so officially kicking off the summer, um, talking about taking care of the skin you're in, and just a little bit about hydration, but there's a lot of things around sunscreen and skin cancer and things that are going on that we just think it's important to provide you the most recent research-based education about these things, where you can go to get some real real facts, real statistics, um, and those types of things. So we've been doing some studying with this, Angelica and I, and we just want to bring this to you through this episode. So we're going to title it, Taking Care of the Skin You're In Through Skin Safety and Hydration. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we're also going to talk about some ways of knowing if you're at risk for um, skin cancer or at least knowing the um, warning signs and some symptoms that might come about. Um, And we've got a little tea for you as well. 
Yes, as always. As always. I think that's my favorite part. About every topic. <laughs> yes. So um <laughs> that really is the favorite my favorite part is getting to do that investigation. So right. <laughs> but so just kind of starting out, um, Angelica, I know that um we have a lot of stuff to cover, but you kind of want to talk about just skin cancer in general and yeah. what you found with that. So um just to let folks know that uh there's especially during this time of year, we're definitely outside a lot more, right? You know, we're always either in the garden or we're outside playing with kids or we're at the beach. So um, just talking about different types of skin cancer that is out there and knowing your risk. So um, we did a little bit of research and we found that um, skin cancer is the most common form of cancer in the United States, but it's also the most preventable one. So um, what we found was, uh, did you know that 90% of all skin cancers are caused by sun exposure? So meaning being out in the sun. <laughs> but this can also um, be affected like for people who like to um, tan in the tanning beds. I think we've been saying that for years, how dangerous um, being inside of a tanning bed for long periods of time uh, can affect that. Um, but then also if you work in the sun a lot, like we have our construction workers that are out in the sun, um, even if you, you know, you lay concrete or something like that, working on houses, working on roofs, um, you know, it's just that sun exposure. So we have to be mindful of what we're exposed to. But um, knowing your risk. So your risk, if um, you're light skinned in color with freckles, if you have blonde or red hair or blue or green eyes, you're most likely to get skin cancer. You're also most likely, again, if you're using those tanning beds um, or if you've had a family history of skin cancer. So um, these are some of the um, risk factors there for you. But um, you also, for those who have immunocompromised systems, so if you're going through, you know, uh, chemotherapy, um, if you have like an autoimmune disease like lupus, um, you are more susceptible to um, skin cancer. And then obviously, if you're one of your parents, a sibling, or even your child has been exposed or have had a history of skin skin cancer. So yeah, and I think that is where we talk about, um, it was interesting that you said like your hair color and stuff like that, because I never would have guessed that yeah. as a risk factor. Um, but when you talk about the, like getting, if your family members or someone in your family has had skin cancer, that being like a genetic thing. Um, so you should be getting your skin checked once a year at, at the least. At the um, least. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to have your annual visits, but then also um, it just depends on, you know, your risk factors. So then if you have a family history, you might have a dermatologist that says, Hey, instead of once a year, maybe you come twice a year. Um, or if you've had a history yourself, it could be every three to four months. So it just depends on your severity and your and your skin. But I will say this, and uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but people of color as well, we are as, um, just as equally susceptible. It does depend on, you know, your work environment, your health as well, but we are likely to have skin cancer as well. So having those checks with a dermatologist, if you're a person of color, is also important. Correct. And 
And just bring thinking about skin cancer and sunburn. And you said, you know, majority of that can be prevented through sun exposure. And exposure. I had read that experiencing five or more blistering sunburns between the ages of 15 and 20 increases your risk of getting melanoma by 80%. Wow. And it just brings me back to whenever I thought it was cool to like be out in the sun with no sunscreen on. Right, right. I remember like being at the beach with my friends. Like it was probably the first time my mom like let me go to the beach unsupervised. Mm-hmm. And I we put um the oil on, the tanning yeah, oil. Yeah, the tanning oil. After not being in the sun at all. And uh, we were like five shades too burnt. And wow, like during that, you don't think about it, but like reading that is concerning, you know, like, 15 to 20 is that age, that teenage era where then, mm-hmm. then you're going into college and like, you're not, your first thing is not to think about sunscreen, um, right. but it is, it's important knowing that that can, your risk can go up by 80% by getting five or more of those blistering sun. And that's not a lot, five or more. I mean, mm-hmm. think about how many times you're in the sun, you know? Yeah. Um, and I will say too, and people don't think people of color can burn, but I burn when I'm in the sun too long. And, you know, everyone has a different threshold of how long they start seeing those um, signs and symptoms of sun damage. But, you know, for me, I can probably be out there 30, 35 minutes and I will probably start to burn. My my face will start peeling and, you know, it gets very sensitive. So I know that's my sign that I need to go inside the house, maybe even before that even starts to happen. Right. But, um, there's another thing, a, a word I found for sun damaged skin. It's called photo, it's called photo aging. Never heard of that. Can you even imagine like, the doctor tell you, oh, you got photo aging? You mean to tell me when I take pictures, I'm gonna start looking? Oh, <laughs> that would be the first thing that came to my mind. I the doctor told me you got photo aging. What? Yeah. What do they say photo aging is? So photo aging is just another word for sun damaged skin. So like you were saying before, with the boils or if you start having blisters, that is um, sun damage. That's crazy. So another word for for that is photo aging. That is wild. Yeah. And I mean, you'll start seeing like, unfortunately, having being in the sun all the time and not always protecting my skin like I should, you do start getting freckles and Mm -hmm. different things on your skin um, that kind of start showing that sun damage. So, which I am glad we are becoming into a world that is being more pro sunscreen, pro just being the color that you are Mm -hmm. and not being too worried about getting as dark as you possibly can. But, you know, and then there's other ways too tan you know right like right. tan all that fun stuff that's mm-hmm. out there these days and times but um so we did a little bit of research on sunscreen yeah um and just talking about I think it's a we need to talk about sunscreen but also knowing that there are people out there that are not comfortable using sunscreen so what are other ways you could you know protect your skin protect your body right. without having to use sunscreen but we do know going into a little bit of the tea that there's this conversation going around um, around now, I guess in the past couple of years that sunscreen is not safe anymore. Right. And so I know I've seen it all around in articles that, you know, don't use sunscreen anymore. A lot of those chemicals are not good for your hormones, they're not good for your body. And so people are just stopping sunscreen altogether. 
Right. And so it gets a little dangerous because, um, you know, is sunscreen giving you more of a cancer risk factor than the sun? You know, that's what people are asking. So I was kind of trying to figure out where did this conversation started? And if you're like me and you know, people are out there that are anti-sunscreen, but like, where did they get this information from? So um, the website, um, the Academy of Dermatology Association. So they have had an article out there on it and just saying that. So the FDA decided that they wanted to actually, they had not touched in about 50 years. So they wanted to go back and look at the ingredients in sunscreen and just start investigating and seeing some of these ingredients that are in sunscreen, how long will your body absorb them for? Are there any long-term effects and stuff like that? Well, when they released this proposal that they were going to start doing that, you know, it kind of blew up and it kind of reminds me of um, telephone, the game. So yeah. one person starts <laughs> and the next and the next thing, you know, don't use sunscreen. It's bad for you. And um, the FDA has now, you know, saying that it's horrible. So but basically what has happened is FDA has not came out and said that these ingredients are harmful for you. But they just had, you know, we haven't really looked into this in 50 years nearly 50 years and we really need to do some more investigations and so on the ingredients and so you know we kind of talked about i mean you are putting chemicals in your body that is just the bottom you know and you know people need to start thinking about you know even with makeup we don't know what's fully all the ingredients in makeup but you still put it in your face so I feel like anything that comes out from the FDA it gets exacerbated a little bit and people kind of like blow it up and it's like oh my god the fda you know they don't know what they're talking about they don't know what they're doing but you have to think about it it sunscreen has been out there for years like you said 50 plus years so it's with everything going on you know covid kind of put a pause on a lot of different research opportunities but now i think you know with more products coming available different compounds and different mixtures coming about it's okay to say, hey, we we do need to do some more research. Um, and research is not anything bad. Research is actually going to give us the answers that we're looking for. So it doesn't right. mean to necessarily stop using sunscreen. It just means, hey, we're doing the research. I know you've been using it for a while. Continue using it until we're able to come out with some more conclusive evidence. Right. And and that's kind of where it is, is. There's that misleading research that has leaded to, or is leading to concerns. But I will say, in a lot of the time, um, when you're looking at some of this, the um, albixi zone is that how you say it? How is it? I can never get it right. Um, the chemical that they're looking at has shown, you know, to lower testosterone and those types of things when it comes to hormone changes. But on the website and under the research, I said there wasn't enough. Um, a good conclusion to be able to say that that's what's causing the low testosterone. They had just done that, that small research. So I just think giving a little bit more time and seeing, but mm-hmm. knowing that we're not sitting here saying you have to use sunscreen and we're not also saying sunscreen is good or bad, but we are saying that as of right now, the FDA is telling us, you know, using sunscreen is the best. Right. Route. Right. right. Um, but I did see where there are different things that you could do if you don't want to use sunscreen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are trying to get sunscreens with cleaner ingredients, which is totally fine. You know, um, you can definitely find those sunscreens that have less of those chemicals. But there are two types of sunscreens out there 
Um, there's a physical sunscreen and a chemical sunscreen. So physical sunscreen kind of works like a shield. Um, it just kind of sits on the surface of your skin and it kind of deflects those sun's rays. Mm -hmm. um, and it has like zinc and titanium dioxide in it. Mm -hmm. Those are those active ingredients. Whereas a chemical sunscreen, it works almost like a sponge and it absorbs those sun's rays. Right. And so it's the one that has a lot of those active ingredients that people are concerned about, the active ingredients that the FDA said they need to do a little bit more research on. And so you do have that option of choosing a physical sunscreen over that chemical sunscreen. So, yeah. um, and I know, I, don't, I think there's other ways, I, I don't think, I know that there are other ways that you can also help yourself from preventing being um, sunburn and preventing yourself from the UV rays. Right. Uh, so, and what I've what I've seen is a lot of times if if you don't want to wear sunscreen, some different precautions out there would be to wear breathable clothing, especially if you work outside. Um, you don't always have to wear little to nothing. You want to wear clothing that's going to protect your skin. So the breathable um, clothing outside with the long sleeves, um, you can do that wearing different hats that help prevent against um, sun sun rays. So they do have different um, sun hats that are out there. Sunglasses are another thing because you want to help protect those eyes as well. We forget about our eyes, but um, you want to have sunglasses that say that they have that UVA, UVB protection. Um, and then they also say try to avoid going outside in the heat of the day. And that's between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., which that's that's the whole that's day. That's like when the rays are the strongest, when right? The ways are, when the rays are the strongest, right. Um, so, I mean, if you're an early bird, that kind of, you know, helps in your favor before 10 o'clock. Um, and then if, you know, you like to go out late at night, there you go. It's at the 4 p.m. So. <laughs> 10 a.m. is lunchtime around here, okay? <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, me and Angelica went to, this is so funny, but we were at a conference last week and we were roommates, all, as always. And we decided we were going to get up at five o'clock and go to the gym because that's what we were going to do. We were going to yeah. be better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And we walked down to the little gym area and tell us why the gym didn't open until 530. And we had to just look at each other and we were like, this is why we just don't get sit, out of bed. Sitting in the hall looking at each other like, OK. <laughs> so, yeah, 10 a.m. at that point was like lunchtime for us. Right. So pretty much um i did see where i don't know if you have ever done this often but you can take note of the uv index um yeah. pretty often mm -hmm. and it can kind of help you and it does say you know if the index is eight or above for example there is that really high risk of uv um getting that sunburn so right. and then always remembering that things like sand water and snow reflect the sun's rays Right. And so that's why you'll see people at the pool or the ocean getting more sunburn or even in the snow, like my husband was up in New York and he talked a little bit about that on the snow. You would never have imagined um, thinking that you would get sunburn, but you can. And so just remembering that um, so there are things. It's just like, you know, us walking around a pond. If you're not wearing sunscreen and you're, you know, in the middle of the day and you like to take walks by the pond, feeding the ducks. You have to remember that you have to, you know, if you're not wearing sunscreen, that is your exposure and you can get sunburn from the reflection yeah. from the water in the pond. Yep. Um, and then the last thing is just checking your medication. I read that um, some medication does have side effects. It can affect and, your skin. Yeah. And just kind of goes back to that autoimmune disease or chemo. But there are some medications that will burn you easily or 
you know, allow your body to get burned easy. So mm-hmm. just remembering those things. And at the end of the day, if sunscreen is kind of a concern for you, just finding other ways to protect your skin with long sleeves, like you said, hats, sunglasses, all of those fun things. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the next thing we should talk about, since we talked about a little bit of the protection, maybe we should talk about hydration next. Yes. That, that will be the perfect segue to that. Um, so we did do some research on trying to stay hydrated because, you know, if you stay hydrated, that also helps to protect your skin, but it also helps to rebuild some of those um, skin cells that might've been lost during the skin damage period. So you want to stay hydrated. Uh, throughout this process, and especially during the summertime when we're out in the sun a lot, you want to stay hydrated. So Victoria, you had some things that you want to talk about. Um, the first thing was the urine test to know if you yeah. are um, hydrated or not, right? <laughs> yes. And I know it sounds gross, the urine color test, but that really is a good way to see how hydrated you are. Mm-hmm. And just knowing the darker your urine color is, the more dehydrated that you are. So if you're using the restroom and you are seeing like a super dark yellow color of your urine, you are probably extremely uh, dehydrated and you need to drink water like now. Um, you actually right, yesterday three hours. <laughs> I was like three hours ago, you should have been drinking water. But you know, so that's one indicator that I mean takes no no knowledge. Just looking at your urine color and you know the lighter it is, the more hydrated you will be. So. Um, but yeah, so we, we know that heat stress, hydration, sun, all that kind of goes together, definitely in these summer months, but you know, there's important, especially when I think about people that work out in the heat, um, it can be, you can forget to drink water, you know, all day long. And so by the time you feel thirsty, you're already behind in fluid replacement. And I think that's important to remember that if you're outside working or even playing or anything like that, sports, you know, once you start becoming thirsty, you're already kind of behind. So you want to stay ahead of the game right. on hydration. Um, they say, you know, drinking one cup of water every 15 to 20 minutes. And, you know, that could be, think about like people that work out on the sides of the road, doing construction mm-hmm. for like hours, you know, yeah. they're not drinking a cup of water 15, no. every 15 to 20 minutes. No. And so I think it's hard. Um, And they also say drinking 24 to 32 ounces per hour. Right. Right. So, you know, I feel like to the big thermoses that people like the construction people get, I feel like that's plenty enough water. But again, you don't want to chug all this water in one setting because you can um, pretty much get yourself to be really sick. When you drink Mm -hmm. a lot of water in one period of time and you're outside sweating, that can cause some um, side effects with your body because it's trying to cope with one situation, but then you've provided it with too much hydration at one time. So then it's trying to cope with that. So drinking water gradually throughout the day definitely helps you stay hydrated, but it doesn't put your body in this overwhelming state. Um, So stay hydrated as much as possible. Um, It's okay to look, like Victoria said, it's okay to look at that urine color. I mean, when you go for a urine test at your doctor's office, that's one of the things that they look for is the actual color of your urine to make sure that you are um, hydrated properly. So it's okay to look before you flush. I've always been told that. Um, So the aim there or the standard would be the color of lemonade from what I've been told. And um, not Minute Maid lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) Homemade lemonade. Because some of that stuff is pretty. I'm glad you cleared the air with that because some people would be like, Look, I know, I, 
I know how my mind works. When you say lemonade, I'm like, okay, are we talking about country time lemonade? We talking about mini made lemonade? <laughs> it needs to be homemade lemonade. Um, so it's that very pale um yellow that we're looking for. That Chick-fil-A lemonade. The Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A lemonade, <laughs> yes, with the right amount of ice. So um, (laughs) definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, And if you are concerned about, you know, not staying hydrated properly, we have some tips that we've come out with and what we found that can help you stay hydrated. Um, There's different water recipes out there because a lot of people, they don't like drinking water. Let's just be factual about that. Um, A lot of people just don't like to drink plain water. So there are different water recipes that are out there. If you're not on water talk, uh, they've got a lot of hydrating things for, uh, you know, hydrating recipes for water talk, but just adding like cucumbers or lemons to your water might help bring your attention to that. Um, And then some people have started, you know, getting really fancy where they're adding ginger and mint leaves and all these different things where you can let the water sit overnight and you have a nice hydrating beverage for yourself. Yes. And let me ask you this, um, since you're a dietitian, <laughs> is water doing enough for our bodies or should we be adding things to our water to help with our electrolytes or salt and, or anything like that? Right. So I think it depends on what we're actually doing. If you have an office job, I think drinking water is perfectly fine by itself. And I think what we did with some of the research before, when it comes down to some of the hydrating beverages, like um, the uh, sports drinks, like Gatorade and Powerade, I think we said if you were, you know, training for something or if you were being outside and sweating for so many hours, those hydration beverages are very good for you because they are rehydrating yourself, but they're also rebuilding those electrolytes that you've lost through your sweat. So your magnesium levels, your potassium levels, and some of your other electrolytes that's being lost, those sports drinks definitely will help you rehydrate because you've lost it during sweating. So during those excessive amounts of time that you're sweating, that's when you need a sports drink. Um, Everybody else, typically water is the best way to to stay hydrated. Um, Our bodies are actually made of about 60% of water. So water in itself And I'm not talking about, you know, your alkaline water. I'm not talking about, you know, all of these other specialty waters out there. But water itself, however you like it, um, definitely will do the job with hydrating you. Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad you cleared the air on that. I I mean, I do agree um, that you really do your body more harm getting like the really high sugary beverages of sports drinks. If you've not done that excessive um, sweating for hours on end. Right. So Not to mention, um, I will say too, some of the sports drinks have all of the added sugar in them and they're not really good for everybody. So if you do tend to have issues with your kidneys or if you have issues with diabetes um, or your blood sugars, be mindful of some of the beverages that you drink, that you drink. But I do know some have the zero sugar. So that mm-hmm. will be fine if you are doing, if you're having this excessive sweating um, episodes or whatever, and you are working in the heat, the zero sugar ones are actually a lot better for you because there's no added sugar. Right, um, right. So, and again, back to, you know, adding different things to your water that help hydrate and bring some attention to you with drinking more water. There's nothing wrong with that. I see people talk about all the time, oh, they're adding all these sugar-free packets to their water. If that's what's helping them drink water, by all means, let these people be and <laughs> let them drink their sugar-free packets. 
Yes. It's, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, you can say, oh, I want half and half sweet tea with unsweet tea. Same thing. You're still having some sugar there, but go. it's, it's not water. It's still sugar tea, basically. So mm-hmm. go back to your water. At least these people are drinking water. They're just enhancing their water a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, there is some tea on this hydration fun stuff. And we just got one here Mm. in our town and it's drip bars, um, IVs on demand, if you will. (laughs) Um, So I think um, they're becoming more popular. And so for the ones that don't know, it is, um, it's an option to receive IV fluids, um, you know, not medically necessary or anything like that. They are not recommended by a doctor. Sometimes they are, but it's like a a store you would go in um, and the, you would request IV fluids for what you feel like you would need. So they do it to, um, I mean, I think about people getting them to help with um, B12. I've seen some vitamins and nutrients you can get. I was actually looking at their website and you can get hydration or the IVs for like, they had topics of like fat loss, vitamins and nutrients, sleep, energy. I mean, they had every, topic known to man and so there are these new things that like we are here in america we love quick fixes yep and so um these iv bars you're able to go into them get an iv on demand of whatever you think that you're missing and um and yeah you feel great after it's that instant feel of whatever you're trying to reach for and it kind of reminds me of when you do go to the hospital like if you ever had like a really bad stomach flu and you were super, super dehydrated and you got those IV fluids to help you feel back, you know, better and stuff like that. Right. It's kind of what it makes you feel. It's like that instant feel of, um, of feeling better. Right. So I think these came about, um, just when you might've had someone that was running a marathon or that was training for a marathon and they needed a quick fix, which most of the time you go to the hospital, you get an IV of fluids and you feel a hundred percent better. I think this also came about from the idea of people who were um, hungover from the yes, yeah. <laughs> I read where night. it was like hungover and like food poisoning or like yeah, hungover. you just have not had the right amount of fluids or you had the wrong amount of the different type of fluids, um, so you need a bounce back. That's what these have become so popular for. I will tell you though, um, some of these bars have popped up and they don't have the um proper means of starting an IV for someone. So you just need to make sure if you go to the different um, drip bars, just make sure someone knows what they're doing. Might even ask if they, you know, might have a license to, um, you know, insert an IV into someone. Because, again, we don't want people getting sick or having any issues from these um, IV bars. But then also just asking for the ingredients and some of the stuff that they've come out with, because you just don't want to put any and everything in your body. Um, And then would it be worth it? Could you just drink a bottle of water and feel a lot better? <laughs> that's what, and I think that's when I was doing the research. Harvard had came out with an article um, on this written by a doctor. And, you know, he was a little skeptical about it. And I am as well. Um, I've had a lot of people call and ask about the IV bar, um, the drip bars. And I mean, I'll say like, it's unless you, I feel like, in my opinion, 
unless you've had the stomach flu or a severe hangover or something like that, like water would do the trick, you know, and I was looking at the prices and it can get certainly pricey Mm -hmm. with some of this stuff. And, you know, my expertise is in weight loss and nutrition. And so when I look at the IVs for like fat loss and stuff like that, it does make me get a little antsy um, because it's going back to those quick fixes. Mm -hmm. Um, But you should not be getting all of your nutrition through an IV. And I will say that unless medically you needed that um, through a doctor's recommendations or something like that. And so I think they could be good in moderation, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that that's where you would go for your end all be all of nutrition and um, hydration. Right. But I think it goes back to how we are here in America. We like quick fixes. We like that quick, instant, good feel. We're people of convenience. We are people of convenience and we don't want to, and I hate to say it, do the work for ourselves. So we rely on others to come up with these quick fixes and therefore we will pay a hundred to $150 for, to sit there and Mm -hmm. have our, our be going there. Um, But I will say, you know, Again, like you said, I am one that does not believe that you should get a quick fix when it comes to your nutrition that way. I feel like you should be able to drink and eat your nutrients, um, mm-hmm. you know, via mouth if you're able to. Yep. So um, nothing's wrong with getting all of these electrolytes from, you know, things that we're able to drink, um, especially if it comes to water. But I will also say this too, um, <laughs> when it comes down to electrolytes, your body knows what it needs. And you just need to become a little bit more in tune with your body to figure out what those needs are. So sitting down and taking the time to actually say, oh, I am thirsty and I have not had enough water today. You know, I will have people tell me all day. I have never had water. All I haven't had water all day. And I said, how is that when I carry a jug with me everywhere? It's like my support buddy. How can you not drink water? Right. Or, you know, so some people drink juices and tea and all this stuff all day long, but you're actually wondering why you're still thirsty. It's because yep. these things are not hydrating you. You yep. need something that's going to feed the need of your body. And that is water. Yep. Yep. So. And that, and that, and that comes down to it is you can get a lot of these things through your nutrition and your water intake. But I do know there are some people that do need that quick feel better you know I think about the b12 and some energy yeah yeah it's not long term you know like you're not gonna long term so sometimes I'm a big advocate for getting to the root of the problem and you know why are you lacking so much of that energy for the b12 you know what what's really going on and so finding that out but just like you said be mindful when you go to these places to make sure that um you are getting an IV into your arm. So a needle is, it is kind of an invasive treatment. So just remembering like infections can happen. Mm-hmm. Your veins can be inflamed. They can get blocked with a clot. So just remembering all these things and making sure the person that's doing that is, I mean, I would say a phlebotomist at the least, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's just my personal opinion, but right. you know, just making sure that they're, you know, they're doing it correctly. And I will say, I mean, I've had my days. Okay. And I'm just going to be honest and say in my college days, I did. I gave, um, what did I give? What is that place called? It's the bio labs where you can get. Oh, where you go and donate your plasma. Yeah. For, um, for money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good money. Um, and it, it pays bills in college. And, but I do right. remember um, 
having issues with the IV um, because there's not always people there that know exactly and it can get scary and so you know just always seeing and um, I know there are people that have opened them up that are nurses that are the people that have that education and are able to give you that but I would just do your research again it goes back to that Um, if it's something heck I mean if you just needed something at that moment you know maybe it's it is something, but I don't, I would not see that being a long-term thing I would, I would get in with. No. And then some of this stuff too, just to have a little burst of energy, I will say, cause I've read the ingredients on some of the IV stuff at, at these liquid drop, uh, these drip hydration places. Um, most of the time it's like green tea extract, black coffee extract, whatever. Why don't you just go get you some green tea? And you, I tell you, you will feel hydrated you will feel caffeinated whatever boosted up whatever it is that you are trying to look for so again depending on where you are because sometimes I mean sometimes you might like if you're on vacation you might just want to go to an IV drop place and just go ahead and get a quick fix because you're doing so many different things on vacation Um, but like again this is not a fix-all this is not something I would go to regularly Um, and again you're spending your money on this stuff so it depends on you know, your financial status, if that's what you want to do. Right. Well, I think that we've covered a lot of stuff in this little time we have had together. Um, But I think the bottom line is, you know, just doing your research on even both of the things that we talked about, sunscreen Mm -hmm. and uh, and the drip bars for tea for this episode. But um, just seeing if that's, you know, where do you stand? And people can educate you all day long on things, but until you really do your own research and really care enough to wonder, you know, what's going on, who's researching what, what, um, what's going on, then you would be able to make those decisions. But, um, and I will say too, also just know your body. And if you are concerned, like say, for instance, there is a spot on your arm and you've, you've been looking at it for a while and you're concerned, you don't know where to start look for a dermatologist mm-hmm. um, or, or even start at the start at the ground level and even ask your uh, primary care physician what you should do uh, yeah. because skincare is very important. I mean, like I've, I've always said this, you only get one skin, you only get one body. So try to take care of it as much as you can. And especially during the summer months, try to take care of yourself as much as possible because um, things can spread very easily. But not to mention, you know, we don't want people sick either. So um, definitely take care of yourself. Um, Start from ground zero. And if you need additional help, I mean, this might not be everything within our wheelhouse, but we can help you with resources. So if you're near Carroll County, always reach out to Victoria. Or if you're near Bartow, you can reach out to me. Or if you're not from around us, but you want to call us up, you definitely can do that as well. Um, Yes. So. I think you've made, we've made some good um, combo around these areas. And, and I think at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you. But I think we've done our part of bringing you the education and the, in the research base that we think is, is going on right now. Um, right. But did you want to end with myth or fact? Yes. So myths are facts. So these are more so pertain to uh, just because I feel like skin protection, people of color, we feel like this is not our thing. This is not where we should be focusing in on, but it really is. Um, so just to play a little game and Victoria, you know, you just have to guess. Um, okay. So this is myth or fact. 
people with dark skin don't need to wear skin sunscreen. I'm going to go with myth. That is a myth. So the okay. fact about this is sunscreen provides added protection against UV rays that can cause skin cancer and is recommended for all skin types. Uh, sunscreen increases the skin's natural resistance to sun damage by absorbing and reflecting sunlight. So that's a good one there. And I will say with that real quick is even if you're not, you know, people of color and you just are tan and you think, mm -hmm. oh, I'm tan, I won't get burnt. You will get burnt still, mm -hmm. even if you are tanner. Right. So. Because you have to think about it. You're pushing your body, your skin and its cells to that level. And once they get into a certain level where they have no more resistance, guess what? You're starting to have skin damage or photo aging. Uh, <laughs> so just remember that. Uh, yes. But these, these things that we have, like sunscreen, that does help to protect our skin. Um, so just another one here. Skin cancer in people of color is less common. Myth or fact? Fact. So... That is actually true. So um, even though uh, it is true skin cancer is more common in those with lighter skin, people of color are more likely to have skin cancer at some point. Um, so that's because they often don't get as diagnosed until a lot later because we don't normally go see a dermatologist if we have a spot or if a mold comes apart. We're yeah. just like, oh, that's just, you know, molds running my family it's always good to still get them checked. So yes. um, people- And you can do like checks at home, you know? Right. You can do checks at home or you can even just, you know, a lot of things are so um, virtually dependent now. Mm -hmm. So the teledoc situation, if you're depending on which insurance you have, you might not even have to go into a doctor's office. You can actually do some things versus um, the virtual world and utilize right. that. Um, and so the last one I had was- um, People of color don't need regular skin cancer screenings. Myth or fact? Hmm. Myth. That is a myth. So everyone, three three. everyone, <laughs> you get three for three. <laughs> everyone, regardless of their skin color, should see a dermatologist regularly. And so people ask, uh, how often should you go see a dermatologist about this? So it depends on your family history and your skin type. So for people of color, your baseline screening should start around age 20. I will honestly say that um, I have always seen a dermatologist just because I've always had skin issues. But for some of my friends, I know they have never seen a dermatologist until they became in their 30s. Right. So it, the baseline for people of color is actually around age 20. Um, and if there's no concerns, then the doctor will say, okay, well, we'll see you once every two to three years because you don't really have any family history or we don't see any warning signs for you. Um, but regularly of everyone else, um, once a year would be the max if you needed to go see a doctor or a dermatologist on a regular basis. You will have a yearly checkup. Um, but that also depends if you have a history, a family history, or if you have um, different freckles that are starting to come up, you're starting to notice those warning signs, you're getting a lot of sunburns, it will probably be a little bit more often to see a dermatologist since um, you've had a little bit of history with it. But right. that's just a little fact or fiction thing. Yeah, that was fun. To do. 
Um, but, you know, if you ever needed any more resources, uh, please feel free to reach out to us because we can, you know, look up different resources for you. Um, Victoria and I are pretty much well ample in our communities where we kind of know different dermatologists or yep. different uh, specialists because they've become our friends, um, yes. supporters. So um, we are a vital resource. I tell people all the time us an extension especially in family and consumer sciences we are hidden gems we know a lot even we might not act like it but we know a lot <laughs> we know a lot and we know a lot of different people so um feel free to reach out to us if ever you needed yes information for sure well i think that's it for us um we will be back next month for a new episode so be on the lookout for that and like we always say, don't forget to um, share, like, subscribe, send this to somebody um, so that we can get the word out about our new podcast. Um, but beside that, uh, you guys have a great rest of your um, month, I guess I will say, and we will be back next month. Yep. See ya.